The Chiefs backups give some and lose some. It all comes away, and the first preseason game is in the books, and the 23 campaign is off and running. What happened? What happens next? And who stood out today on Locked On Chiefs? From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us live post-game and making us your first listen after this first preseason game is in the books. Check out another Lockdown Show for your next listen. We very much appreciate it. We're going to run down the events of today, what it means, and what we can look for going forward. Matt Derrick is here from Chiefs Digest, live post-game, giving us the inside analysis. We're going to have a lot of fun, but make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube. Join on Spotify as well. As Apple gets subbed on any audio platform you like, because we're on all of them for free every day, all the time, whether you like it or not, you're going to get more of us. And if you want even more, you can get on the text line at 816-357-8781, and you'll get updates as we go along. A lot to cover here. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com, and RGR Football. I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. And Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Welcome back, sir. I hope you enjoyed it your time at camp and just a couple more days up there in St. Joe. Yeah, three more days. And um, I imagine it's going to be an interesting day for at least the defensive side of the football, because uh, I don't know if Steve Spagnuolo is going to be pretty happy with what his first team did, giving up a couple of touchdowns. But it's the preseason, so you can't overreact to it. But there there were definitely some things to take away from today's game. I thought it was on both sides of the ball, too, though, Matt. And, and I, I agree. I think Spags is going to have uh, some talking to to come to several position groups. I have plenty of red notes on my my game notes from today. But overall, this all comes back to pass rush on the defensive side, doesn't it? It's the fact that they just couldn't pressure the quarterback hardly at all with the first unit. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of things to watch for in this game on the defensive side. And one of them that, that Steve Spagnuolo wanted to focus on was tackling. And don't think that that was particularly spectacular with the first team either. Um, but the other part of it was going to be pass rush and if they could generate anything. And could, did the first team generate any pass rush? Not to me. I mean, uh, Carr had to move a little bit, but there, there wasn't a ton of pressure. And the, and the Saints were able to move up but down the field pretty easily. So, yeah, I mean, I think on both those counts, you have to give pretty low grades to the, the first team defense. Yeah, and I think that that's really the way you have to look at it. And then you look at what the the first-string offense did. Mahomes goes and throws two passes. I think he got, what, 15 yards maybe? Uh, Both passes to Clyde Edwards-Lair and a couple of runs for Clyde. Uh, And then he comes out of the game, and then you still have, you know, the rest of the first-team offense in. Albeit, I don't think Kelsey played uh, with Gabbard at all, did he, that I saw? Not that I recall. I have to check, look at the snap counts, but I don't. I, I I don't remember seeing him out there. No. Yeah. So I mean, you're looking at an offense that basically once Mahomes went out, wasn't able to get anything done. And the fourth down call, I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, it was obvious what was coming, and the Saints knew what was coming. Saunders was on the field; he knew what was coming, uh, and it didn't surprise anybody. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, fourth down's going to be a problem for this team. But then again, I mean, once again, I do put an asterisk next to it. Chiefs aren't going to put their best fourth down plays out there in the preseason. So they're going to run stuff from the past. And we have seen that play before, and the Saints have seen it before too. And and that's, I mean, that is the the one thing that I will put on the offense is that this was pure vanilla. And and I get it. People don't want to hear it's the offseason or preseason. It sounds like an excuse. 
But for this offense, that's that's playing par for the course. And the Saints weren't surprised by anything that the Chiefs ran today because it's all stuff that they've put on film, and it's pretty basic things. It's none of the stuff that we're seeing up in training camp. It's none of the things that they're going to run this year. So that doesn't really concern me. It, it, you know, the and only seeing Mahomes for the one drive that was you know expected. I wasn't expecting to see him back out there. Um, if anything, I mean, I think there was some encouragement to take from from the second team and, and especially the third team, because, you know what, in the past, we've seen the, you know, the Chiefs backup units get pushed around a little bit. And, you know, this was the case where, nope, they came out and they did the pushing around on the road. So I think it speaks a lot for this team's depth, how well they played, because I have a lot of faith that the first team units are going to be just fine in the long run. I have to feel like that as well. I, I think you you mentioned specifically the second team. And that comes along with the quarterbacks. And I think this offense kind of flows as the quarterbacks do. We'll talk about the running back situation coming up later in the show, folks. But Gabbert, Bichelle, I think, lifted a little bit, got things going that obviously Patrick didn't get into a rhythm or anything like that with the first string offense. But very different views of what happens. But I think for a game that is really Madden on easy mode, I think we have to remember that it's not just who's making the plays, but who they're making the plays against. And so for me, Gabbert's performance in moving the ball may not have looked as good as Michelle's, but I think it moved the offense more efficiently against a better level of defense that they saw. And I think that led to some of the wide receivers standing out. We're going to talk about the wide receivers of the next group, Matt. But quarterback play, they have three legit players, don't they? I mean, I think so. Yeah, you know, the, the turnover that Bouchelle had, you know, bad luck one. I didn't think it was also a great decision, too. But that's what you're going to get with sometimes with some guys trying to make some plays. Um, with Gabbert, I mean, you know, hey, it, it, it was what it was. I mean, four of eight passing. I mean, it was somewhat of a pedestrian performance. He, he missed Richie James on a really, you know, really – bad throw. I mean, that, that was a wide open throw that he had to James in the end zone. And then James bailed him out a little bit on the next play because then it was a, another throw that was not sharp, but Richie James had a great play on. Um, but hey, Gabbard's line, you look at it, it was solid, you know, and and, and then and that's what he's been. I mean, that's how I describe him in training camp. I mean, is he Patrick Mahomes? No, no, he's not. I mean, he's not going to be. But is he somebody who goes out there and you can tell you know, can competently run the offense that you can do a few of the things that you do with Mahomes, but has a lot of comfort in an offensive style like this that can run the show if he needed to for a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, Gabbard has shown all of that and I don't think there's any controversy. I mean, I think that this is a very well-established four quarterback rotation as far as who's in what slot and nothing preseason wise other than injuries is going to change that. Well, I understand what you're saying, Ryan, and I get where you're going. I just th didn't think Gabbard looked very well. I think that he stared down his first receiver every single time, and that's where he went with the ball. It looked like, at least from what I saw, and I went back and rewatched some of the plays, seemed like he was going to the first raid every single time, and you can't do that at this level. Now, whether or not it's because he's not comfortable with the offense and the players, that's possible, and he did get a touchdown, and he did move the team a little bit, but you can't continuously do that and be successful in this league. And, and you're right. You know, Matt, you said Michelle's interception was unacceptable. It was, uh, I just thought he played a little bit better and yes, it was a different level of competition, but uh, lots to talk about when you start looking at the wide receivers, which we're going to get to here in a minute. Yeah, there's, there's a ton. And uh, you know, Richie James performance, Justin Ross performance, a number of guys stood out in ways that maybe affects how those quarterbacks look. We're going to get to that right after a word from our pals. 
August is, August is here, and that means the official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month right now. Underdog's the easiest place to get all your fantasy football and the best place for best ball. Best ball's the, the mania for is right now. It's the largest fantasy football tournament ever. Get in the championship ready for your home league by using best ball from Underdog Fantasy. All you do is draft one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets the best lineup for you every single week. Try it out with Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back, and it's bigger than ever. There's 15 million up for grabs in total prizes, including an absurd $3 million to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July. Visit underdogfantasy.com and find them in the app store and sign up for their promo code locked on. That'll give you your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on to get double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Check out underdog today. Fellas, whether it's hype or whether it's actual development, the storyline of camp has been these wide receivers, who could make it, how many do they have to keep, and where's it all going? And I don't think we got much clarity today because everybody seemed to take a step forward that we kind of expected. Matt, I want to start with you and the interpretation that I've gotten tons of questions on social media. And folks, you can always hit us on social media. We'll let you know where they are here later in the show. There's players that stood out, three in particular. I think we've talked about the, the guys that didn't is the question mark. And people are asking, Sky didn't play very much. What happened to MBS? Is Justin Watson not going to be on this roster? Matt, can you tell us, are they pretty much still the top four guys here? I mean, right now, if the, I mean, based on what we have seen in, in training camp, based on the snap counts, based on all the tracking that I've done, and especially in, in talking to people as well, I mean, with Kadarius Tony out, your three starting wide receivers are Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson. Um, the fact that you, you saw those three guys primarily on the first drive and that was it, or you didn't see them at all, that's pretty good indication about where you know they are on this team. I mean, and that's that you get the guys out quickly that are going to be making this team and that are going to be your starters and people that you're counting on. And then in the preseason, you start getting the other guys' reps and, and people who just need some work. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, this is a deep room. Uh, but you see it, you know, and, and what you saw in this game today is, a, is, to me, a very good reflection of where the depth chart really is. You know, you see, you saw Justin Ross, you saw Rasheed Rice coming in, you know, in the second quarter, getting some more reps with, you know, with the second team. That's that's exactly where that they are. Uh, Richie James, I, I, I would put, I mean, as far as snap count goes and how involved they're, they're going to be in the offense early in the season, I would think he would be ahead of both of those guys. I admit, I, I think James's usage has been an enigma to me at this point because he looks so good. Uh, you look at his film from last year and you just look at, at his metrics. I mean, this is a good receiver. I mean, he should be a guy who's going to be, you know, is he a thousand yard guy for this team? No, that's not what he is. But is he is he going to be reliable and catch pretty much everything you throw in his direction? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that's the guy who's going to end up being the number four guy eventually in this rotation, but the other guys are going to get some work. Uh, this also showed, you know, who, who are guys to watch for the future? Niki Romijo, hey, there's no doubt. I mean, he's a great talent. He is really impressed. Is he on the level of the other guys yet? No. And, you know, and, and, and but, but that fact that he's able to go out and have the performance like he did today against, you know, a number three defensive guys, 
yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, you know, if you're going to be, you know, at that level. So, hey, for Nico, it was a good performance. Um, there was a few other guys. Cornell Powell, you know, another, another overlooked guy who has had some really good moments in camp too, had a nice game. But is he further down the list? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a tough haul for any of those guys to make the 53, but practice squad, that's a different topic. They're definitely in the conversation. Well, you bring up – you bring up Cornell Powell, and I just I thought it was really interesting. Michelle kept going over, going to him over and over and over again, and he was producing. So I mean, that's something we haven't seen from him in the past. And he's been in Kansas City for several years at this point. Uh, and Remigio, you made a great point going up up against the third string. That's what you got to do in that uh, in that situation. But the other side of that is Andy Reid always says, talking to players, make sure you're putting on film enough for other teams to make you make them want to come get you because honestly we've talked about it unless there's injuries there's probably they're probably only going to be able to keep seven and that's going to be a stretch at this point but i think they're going to have to keep seven yeah i mean barring any more injuries uh that might change the equation too but i have a hard time leaving seven receivers off this team i mean it's i I think they're going to have to do that unless something you know really changes i think all seven of those guys are going to force them, like you said. I mean, Hinty says, you know, force us to make you keep you, and if not, make it easy for somebody else to pick you up. Um, I think those seven guys are absolutely going to make it necessary for the Chiefs to keep them. And, and then the question becomes, how does that affect other guys? Because if you're keeping seven receivers, somebody else you can't keep, whether that's a fourth tight end, whether that's a, a sixth cornerback, fifth safety, you know, it's going to come from somewhere else. I think you bring up a good point, and as we balance that out, certainly Ross looked uh, – he's all over my notes, and I scored the touchdown, looked good doing that, looked good at, at a point of contact on another pass, is a guy that I think also uh, deflected that ball up that got the interception, was out of place a couple of times, was open a couple of times where he didn't see the ball, and that shades everything. But clearly he's in that group. The question becomes, who can you get to the practice squad do you have to worry about? I feel like seven is a must at this point, the way everyone played, including Rasheed Rice, who had an up and down day, but I feel like recovered more than he let go. So I'm feeling great about him as well. I think the question then becomes is what happens at the tight end position? As we talked about earlier, the fourth down play uh, with Blake Bell, which is really his best aspect he brings to this roster right now. If that's no longer effective and not going to be used going forward, what does that do? Can you afford to keep the four tight ends? I thought Bushman had a couple of nice plays. I think he's probably right behind Bell or right even with Bell right now. But I don't know that that's enough to say you have to have four unless the volume of 13 personnel is going to be paramount, Matt. Can you see right now if there's seven wide receivers, could they really only take three tight ends? <laughs> They could very well. And, you know, and there's there's a lot going on in that tight end room. I mean, one, you know, Jody Fortson's dealing with the dislocated shoulder. That's not something that typically is going to keep you out long term, but they are going to keep, you know, be a little bit more protective in the preseason rather than rushing back. So that probably explains a little bit about why he hasn't been back yet. But that injury and his injury history is a concern. Um, you know, the one thing with Blake Bell is he's got – when we talk about making those decisions at roster cutdown, and you know whether if you need to like get a guy under the the injured reserve like the Chiefs have done at the, be at the beginning of the season, and you need a guy that you can you know cut for a couple of days and then sign back, Blake Bell's got the best contract of anybody to do that. So you know that might be a point in his favor as far as maybe he doesn't make the fifty three initial but sticks around. 
Um, but then Matt Bushman, I mean, has looked really good, but has had a couple of inconsistent moments, and he had them again today. Although I don't put that offensive pass interference on him. That was a terribly, yep. terribly weak call. A terrible call. Um, he had a drop that was on him, but yep. yeah, the, 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 the PI, no, not, not his. But, you know, the one thing the Chiefs have going for them is that they've got Travis Kelsey and they got Noah Gray that they, they rely upon and look good. And they both have had great camps, but after that, you know, you've got a lot of question marks and yeah, I mean, the chiefs are going to run a lot of 13 personnel. There's going to be a lot of three tight end sets. That's a look that they really, really like. Um, it's just, who's going to be that third most consistent target and who's the guy that can help them the most. And the thing is, is that all, all three of those guys, Bell, Fortson and, 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 and Bushman, I'll do things a little bit differently. They're all a little bit different flavors. So I, I think it's going to be tough to decide. I think there's a lot of things that are going to be tough to decide after a couple of guys stood out and are making noise, maybe in some positive ways. We have some late breaking news in the post game. We're going to get to that right. If we tell you about our friends, uh, our friends over at FanDuel who are going to help you out. And FanDuel or there's a lot to talk about when you talk about FanDuel Boy, this is a lot of fun when we get into the live reads. I apologize, everybody. FanDuel is our partner, and we really do appreciate them. Go check out all the different odds that they have, especially on the Chiefs versus the Detroit Lions. Uh, that game is going to be huge coming up. Obviously, that's a couple weeks away, but it is the first game of the season, and there's going to be a lot to bet on. Football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use bonus bets on spreads, player props, overs and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sporting book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Well, I have to say... There are a couple of guys that stood out in very positive waves. A couple of things that give me concern, but I think when we take a look at it, we talked about the wide receivers, and I do want to point out before we forget that uh, the leading receiver for both these teams was a rookie today. The difference is that it, for the Chiefs, it was a third-string rookie, and for the Saints, it was a first-string. For those of you who remember A.T. Perry that we were big on in the preseason, uh, the draft cycle showed up today, and I do think that that's legit. There's a couple of guys for the Chiefs that showed up, that I think we're hoping to come along. And obviously, the highest draft pick in this team right now, Matt, Felix Antico Zama, I thought he showed a couple of things today that I was very happy with. Uh, didn't obviously get the, the lineup to begin with, but I think his early pass rushes, while he was still, I think, fresh, showed me that he's come along in terms of his ability to counter, his ability to play the run a little bit better than I saw in college. How did you feel like uh, FAU did today? Yeah, and you know, in looking at some of the snap counts from uh, from Next Gen Stats, he he had he led the defensive lineman with thirty three snaps, um, got a little bit of a workload. I mean that and that's they they're giving him a lot of looks right now because he is probably going to be one of those guys um, that doesn't get as much work in, at the beginning of the season, but they want to make sure they get as many reps and snaps in right now. Um, to kind of figure out exactly what you, you're mentioning, you know, what he can he do and what he can't do. I mean, it's entirely possible that in these three preseason games that that Felix can play himself into more playing time. He could earn a little bit more work early on. Um, but my gut is, you know, from basically what we have seen in St. Joe, that that there are other guys ahead of him right now. 
Now, remember, too, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, some of the things you mentioned he did well. Remember, he's starting out behind because he did not have an offseason program. He was on the sidelines with that hand injury. So he's still really picking up a lot of things. But I don't think there's any doubt. He's He's been ascending. So he's moving in the right direction. I think he is getting better. Um, but I put him on a kind of a, a maybe a little bit slower course than Karloftis was last year. Uh, because remember, Karloftis did play a lot early in the season. He just became more productive in the second half. Felix might have a little bit less playing time. He, maybe he gets pushed in more because of the, the situation with Aminahue. Um, But I think he probably sees a little bit less playing time. But I still think the second half of the season is what you're really circling and hoping that Felix can be a contributor. Hard to argue with that. I thought FAU showed out uh, at different times. He showed a good pass rush at times, and I think that that's what he needs to continue to do. Granted, it wasn't against the ones, uh, and you want to see him kind of uh, becoming a guy that can take over uh, at that role. But I thought he played well at, at times, and I think that it's, you're, he, like you said, Matt, he is coming back from behind. So I think that's something to uh, you know keep in mind when you're watching him play. It's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do next week, and it's going to be really interesting to see how many snaps he gets compared to a guy like Aminahue who's not going to be playing for basically, uh, you know, six of the first six weeks of the season. So uh, something to watch there. I thought, you know, when we start looking at the rookies, Rasheed Rice, I thought, had a good game. I know we already talked about the, the wide receivers, uh, but Rice is in there making plays on special teams as well. And one thing you mentioned, Ryan, about Justin Ross having such a good game, he was open and maybe even more open than, than uh, Richie James on that touchdown catch. But Ross also had a start on the kickoff team. He was out there for kickoff, the first kickoff of the game. That's huge for what they think about him and what they are looking at on this roster. Yeah, and that was notable because, you know, what we've seen as far as the starting lineups in St. Joe on the special teams is that they're veteran dominated. It's not like last season where there's so many rookies. You know, Dave Tobe's got the advantage that he's got a lot of special teamers returning from this year. So even though they're still young on that side of the football, it's still a lot of, you know, second year, third year guys that are on special teams. But the fact that they wanted to get Ross out there and, and see what he does obviously tells you a lot about what they think about his 53 chances that they want to see what he can do on the opening kickoff. And he gets involved in the tackle. I mean, that was yep. that's a big deal for him because I that was a big question mark that I had for Justin Ross was, you know, for going into this preseason game was one. Can he be physical enough to play special teams? I think he checked that box. And two was just how ready was he for contact in his first game in 21 months. And I think he checked off that box too. That was the big thing for me. He survived all the contact. That's all I care about at this point. So he's, he's in and that's, that's a huge he, step forward. And he laid contact on that touchdown. He was going, he was going after a hit, which I think shows even more how much uh, he feels comfortable with taking that contact, which I think is a good thing for him. I agree. Folks, make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell right now and get in the chat. If you are with us live, I do see some comments in here for some of the topics I'm going towards. We're going to get to those in a second. But we're going to continue to cover this game in depth tomorrow, so make sure you're subscribed as we go five days a week, if you didn't know that already. Two comments that I have that are in the, the chat as well. First, I'm just going to address McDuffie real quick because uh, I've seen a lot of comments about uh, arm length being the issue. I I'm going to tell you I disagree. I think that he lost that route based on the lower body of Thomas than it was the length of his arms. There was a good separation there right at the top of the route as the ball was arriving, and I think that played a bigger role than the arm length itself. But the other one that I do agree with a lot of the chat is I think the the spotlight on CEH to start the only first-team drive 
was very, very dynamic and I think very specific to put a flag out there that this is a guy that can do something for you, maybe not necessarily for us, but this helps, I think, in trying to, to generate any kind of interest across the league. Matt, am I just seeing stars here? Is these rose-colored glasses? Um, I think it might be one of those things where it could be everything's true from a certain point of view. Um <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, looking at how much Clyde has been used in the offseason program and during training camp with Pacheco out, I, I mean, I think the Chiefs are planning on having Clyde around. I mean, the, he, he is, his usage does not look like a guy that's fallen by the wayside. You know, we've seen it before with veterans in this Chiefs training camp that you could see that they were not in the team's plans because, you know, their usage just dropped. Ronald Jones, we saw that with. You know, C.J. Spiller was another one. You could see the writing on the wall before it came. Um, with Clyde, it's the exact opposite. And and I don't remember the last time that the Chiefs have featured a running back this much in training camp that hasn't been a guy that they kept. So it's entirely possible that they're, they're, they're showcasing him. I, I think it might be a, a more likely scenario that they built this game plan for Clyde to give him you know some, some shine back home in Louisiana and New Orleans because Superdome's a big place for him. So I think that might have had more to do with it. Is there an upside to showcasing him? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But I still think, I mean, if you go back and look at the Chiefs in the last few seasons and the way they've had to chew through running backs, and you've also got your starter with Clyde, or with Bacheco rather, coming back from a couple of injuries, you need as much depth there as you can. And so I'm not completely sold that the Chiefs are, are doing any of this for showcase purposes. I think it's legitimately that they feel like they're going to need Clyde at some point this season. Well, and the one thing I will say, I, I agree with you, Matt. I think that he is going to be on the roster. Um, it would make it easier to keep seven. It would be easier to keep three quarterbacks, which I think is still a question whether or not they're going to do. But the other thing that stood out to me is Prince looked good at times, but to me, he wasn't quite ready for the spotlight that he got at times as well. And I understand he's an undrafted rookie. Uh, he's going to need more time. So that's something that they're going to have to take into account when they start looking at this roster. And Pacheco hasn't even had a full contact play in since the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, and the questions about Prince, I, I think, is another reason why you know you do want to keep Clyde around. Um, my my questions about Prince coming into this game were just how much contact balance could he display, and and how much yards after contact could he really show. And I guess, and, and third was just simply making sure he didn't make any mistakes on special teams. He, he didn't. I mean, you know, so good, good there. I mean, he put himself into a, a fine position as far as winning that kick return job, but. Is he Niall Davis? I mean, that's that's been the comparison from the Chiefs all along, and they find it as a good comparison because Niall was such a great kick returner. But Niall also averaged 3.2 yards a carry. He wasn't a strong running back. And what? I, 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 think, I think Prince averaged 3.5 yards a carry today. That's very Niall Davis-y's. So, I mean, if you're, if you're going to say he's Niall Davis – that's a good comp in some ways. It's not a great comp in some others. There are plenty of comps that are, are going to get thrown after one ball game. And, and I, I love you Saints fans that are in the chat. Do us a favor. Go check out the Locked On Saints show where Ross will listen to your comments with a little bit more satisfaction than I will. Um, it's just a preseason game, folks. It's okay. This isn't the Super Bowl yet. But I do want to let you know that the other big news that, that we got post-game was something that was all over my notes because I was disappointed. This was a pretty good day out for, for my guys. 
Uh, but one guy of mine that I'm really keen on that didn't get a whole lot of time until late was Nick Jones. Turns out he fractured a couple of fingers today, put him down. I don't know if that means that that was the delay in his getting on the field where they had to uh, prepare his hand somehow, but I don't, I didn't see a brace that I remember, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but in his stead, we got to see Khalif Falassi, another guy that I've been high on that I think really showed not just in his interception play, but his play on the field overall. How did you feel about both those D-backs? Yeah, yeah, Nick Jones. If that's an injury that's going to to hamper him making the roster, that's that's a tough break because I, I think he's looked really good, and the Chiefs have truly enjoyed the the, the prospects of him being an inside outside guy, somebody who can back up Trent McDuffie in the slot. And once you lost Nazi Johnson, you don't want to lose anybody else in that secondary, especially when you got Legarius dealing with the knee injury. Now, if you're looking to be playing without Nazi, without LJ, without Nick Jones for a while. Some other guys are going to have to step up, and and there's two guys in particular that now, you know, in this case, might find themselves in the running for the roster spot is Echo Boydo and Khalifa Lassi. And I think both of them have been fairly impressive. The, the one thing that Halasi's got is that he does have a better size situation than Echo Boydo does. But I've been impressed with both those guys, and, and there's no doubt. I mean, I, I think that from a you know from a camp's perspective and looking at who's been getting the reps you know Boydo's got a little bit of an edge but I don't think Halasi is that far behind either um they have both been consistently running with the twos yeah Boydo's gotten a few opportunities with the ones when injuries have popped up um but I I I think both those guys are in it and that's important because one thing that I I don't know if it's really getting enough play in you know with the play that they were getting from Nazi Johnson is that there's been some concerns with with Justin Watson and, or J- Jalen Watson rather, and with Joshua Williams, maybe not taking as big of a second year step as was expected, and that maybe those guys have both been making getting back to some of their rookie bad habits at times. Uh, there's going to be some pressure on them now. I mean, there's definitely going to be you know some some pointed references to try you know to get them to to have a bigger role and to step up. We'll see what happens, you know, this next week at camp. You know, there's going to be some challenges thrown down, especially that first-team defense, but I think to that secondary, too, because they got kind of picked apart a little bit this game. Uh, you know, you, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the roster. I'm wondering if a guy like Deion Bush, who is going to be a special teamer if he's going to be on the roster, is a guy that you could cut and maybe keep Nick Jones one day and and put him on IR after the cutdowns. Uh, if they think he's going to be somebody that can contribute to this team. Uh, that'll be something to see. I do want to just point this out and get this answered really quick. Uh, when are they going to put the big boy pants on and run the QB keeper on short yardage? Um, they're not going to. <laughs> just so you all know. That's not happening. 2036. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's entire. I I would almost say that there's a possibility that maybe they would do it by by putting the backup quarterback out there, but – Blaine Gabbert is a big guy. Blaine could run it, but Blaine's also not going to be the kind of guy that you're doing like a Jalen Hurts where you're you're trying to shove him across the line because Blaine's right. too big to push. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you're if you're going to run if you're going to run the quarterback sneak, I, at this point I think you should probably be running it with Blaine Gabbert because at least there's a threat that he's going to throw the football. I mean, you keep running the belldozer. I think the book is out on that one. I mean, unless you add a wrinkle to it of some sort. But again, you know, Chiefs aren't putting any of where anywhere close to their top 34th down plays into a preseason game. So I trust that they've got something different, but at the same time, be ready to verify that they've got something different because fourth down and short yardage has been a problem for this team in the past. 
And I, I know I get the biggest criticism is why take the ball out of the hands of the best player in the NFL on fourth and short? And I don't have a good answer for you for that. I don't have a good answer, but there's no way they're going to have Mahomes run a QB sneak is, I guess, really where no. I'm going with all of that. No, and if you're going to put the ball in the hands of the best player in the NFL, let him do what he's best at. Yep. Well, if you're going to run him, delay run him and put Danny Shelton in at fullback and let him just plow the field ahead of him. <laughs> I mean, let's we're going to talk about Danny Shelton on Wednesday, folks, when Matt's back, because we got to talk more about the interior and uh, lines on both sides of the ball. We'll get into that for Wednesday. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to break down the stats and all the analytics from this game. I hope that you guys have a good one. Matt, thanks for being with us post-game. We really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, everybody. Take care. Have a great one, folks. Remember, like, sub, hit that bell here on YouTube and get subbed over on the audio platforms. Have a great Sunday night, and we will talk to you again Monday night.